Welcome back to the No Name Football Podcast. I'm Jason McKee and my co-host, as usual, the perennial pro bowler, future Hall of Famer, Mr. Olin Krutz. Fresh off his trip from Hawaii. Uh, glad to have him back. Glad to have him back here doing the podcast for all our fans out there always listening and supporting us. Uh, today we got a special show. We're going to have our former teammate, um, really good guy, one of the better uh, linemen that we've had, you know, that we played with, one of the solid guys in the locker room, uh, played left tackle, played right tackle, mm-hmm. former first-round draft pick, all-around special guy, special football player. Uh, Mr. John Tate will be joining us here uh, shortly on our show. Uh, we're also going to talk about the NFL, the Bears schedule coming out. It came out. Uh, May 12th if I'm not mistaken Brother O mm-hmm. uh, The schedule came out So we're going to go through uh, Give our assessment Of what we think The Bears are going to do This year uh, We'll also talk A little bit a little bit about uh, More NFL news That's happening Julio Jones To the Titans But also The turmoil in Green Bay Which I love I love mm-hmm. seeing turmoil When it comes to Green Bay Mr. A-Rod Don't go back to Green Bay Please <laughs> don't go back So we'll talk about that A little bit So you know Strap in your seatbelt And enjoy the show Yeah J-Mag man We were out in Hawaii And um Took my family out there. First time they've been back in almost five years to see the family. Obviously, a trip that was planned a year ago, but the pandemic, but uh, mm-hmm. got everybody back home. Uh, my grandmother's still alive in her mid-80s now. Uh, mm-hmm. So she got to see the six kids and uh, just just enjoyed the island. You know, Like anybody else, when, when you get to yeah. go back to where you're from and be around family, uh, that that is awesome. Uh, J-Mac takes a little bit of blame. He doesn't want to take, but he was also in Orlando. That's why the No Name <laughs> Football Podcast has been off for a while. While, so uh, I know you want to blame me for for us not doing it, but I had to throw him. I think beep beep. That was the bus <laughs> running over J Mac. <laughs> uh, running over J Mac there. Uh, not a ton of news. J Mac obviously in the NFL right now. Uh, OTAs, a lot of media being kept out of practices. Um, I don't know, kind of a pet peeve of mine, and I, I don't you know. Everybody should be excited about guys and this time of the year. But uh, I keep seeing uh, somebody said that, uh, you know, we'll just use Justin Fields, for mm-hmm. example. Justin Fields threw a perfect pass to Montgomery down the sideline. So I turn on Twitter and um, there's an assistant O-line coach uh, guarding Montgomery out there in the flat. And there's a trash can they're throwing over. So right. just kind of no pass rush, no nothing, no coverage, anything. <laughs> yeah, look, we're all, we're all excited about this kid, man. Right. want him to be great. Uh, I think he's got the tools. Uh, but I I don't know, man. Uh, uh, if I got to hear any more about someone look good at minicamp, these guys, J Mac, they're in the NFL for a reason, right? This is yeah. the 1% of football players. They're going to look good but, in shorts and t shirts. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We, we used to call it, remember, the underwear Olympics. Underwear. Because, you <laughs> mean, you've got receivers, right? They're running routes, right? They're stretching out over the middle, mm-hmm. catching the ball. There's no defense out, out there or whatever. The quarterbacks, there's no pass rush. I mean, even the backs, even us, we're running the ball against there. So, you know, every run looks like a home run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's good for the guys to get out there and obviously build some type of camaraderie. Uh, you know, and you got a lot of young guys. The young guys came in, the rookies. So they get to intermingle with the veterans. And, you know, as veterans, we get our opportunity to, uh, especially the draft picks, hey, take us to dinner, carry our helmets. Mm-hmm. So you get a jump on that. So that's why I like the OTAs. You get to meet your guys and your new guys, but also get around your, you know, the guys that you're familiar with. So I think that's like the main benefit of OTAs. And then get to go out there and throw the football around, like you said, brother. But like you said, you can't put a lot of stock in it because it's not 
It's not real football right now. Yeah, and, and these guys are, are getting back to work, J-Mac, and it seems like, you know, fingers crossed that the pandemic may be coming to an end a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the season is going to be a little different for them this year. Hopefully we got fans in the stands. Uh, they maybe won't have to test every day going into the building. So a totally different year for these guys also. Uh, you know, uh, like you talked about OTAs, what's different? I remember the D-Lyman always grabbing our loose jerseys, and, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, yeah. Like the almost fights break out because you're like, oh, 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 that's the speed you want. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then everybody's like, hey, everybody, calm down. No, 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 no. You you started it. Once you ring the bell, you can't unring it. So then all of a sudden, uh, yep. OTAs is full speed, and everybody's going as hard as they can. But 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 a good time, like you said. Uh, for these young guys uh, to get their feet under them, even the older guys, right? work yeah. on some technique, for sure. uh, study your film uh, from last year, try to correct your mistakes and get better. Uh, we know the Bears need to get better from last year, especially on offense. Uh, they got to score points, which has been a problem for for them for a couple of years now, J-Mac, and, and that'll lead me right into uh, you talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, I got to talk about it on the NBC Sports uh, draft, uh, not draft, uh, schedule release show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about Coach Wanstead, our former teammate Alex Brown and Adam Hogue, uh, NBC Sports Chicago down there. We talked about the Bears schedule. Uh, I had them, J-Mac, I had to find eight wins for them. I had mm-hmm. them at eight and nine. Okay. I thought their schedule was pretty tough when I looked at it. I was wondering, I know you haven't got a chance to talk about it yet, the fans haven't heard you talk about what you thought about the Bears schedule coming up in 2021. Uh, why don't you tell us what you thought about it? Yeah, I think it's, it's a great schedule. Um, you know, some 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 primetime games will be here showcasing Chicago, so the fans will get an opportunity, hopefully, to see, you know, Lamar Jackson. Uh, you get an opportunity to see a lot, you know, Joe Burrow will be coming to town. You know, a lot of different uh, good quarterbacks, good young quarterbacks will be able to to see what they can do in Soldier Field for the fans, especially being a, a year off, you know, due to that pandemic. So I'm excited for that. But I'll kind of go by week through week, brother. Oh, you know, the Bears opened up with the Rams. Uh, huge test. Obviously, we know what type of defense the Bears have. Uh, they got, you know, once-in-a-lifetime defensive lineman Aaron Donald, who's just going to continue to get better, who's racking up winning every award. It seems like he gets better every single year. But 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 the key here is you look at they got a new quarterback under center mm-hmm. and Matt Stafford. But the Bears, for me, with Matt – uh, during his time in Detroit. So it, it, I think that's going to be a really good game. Um, a lot of familiar faces there. Leonard Floyd will also be, you know, on that, on that other side of the defense, you know, trying to get to, to Justin Fields or Andy Dalton. I don't, I'm not going to tip my hat. I don't know what's going on there, but mm-hmm. one of those two guys will be under center. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good opening game for the Bears. I think it's going to be a real tough one for the Bears to pull that one off, but it'll be a good, a good opener and a good test for the Bears in week one. Uh, brother, and then we got week two. You got the Bengals coming to Soldier Field, in which I already mentioned Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow got another uh, another weapon, another one of it. Uh, Jamar Chase got drafted to the Bengals, a guy who's familiar with. Uh, the Bengals are a young team, um, but Joe's coming off injury, so it's going to be good to see if the Bears can get the W there. Uh, then the Bears go to Cleveland, brother. Oh, Cleveland's a tough team, a playoff mm-hmm. team last year. Um, you know, you, you've got two great running backs, Nick Chubb and. Uh, Oh my goodness, he slipped my mind. Um, what's the backup running back? The other running back I came from Kansas City. Yes. Oh, let's so look. You got it, let's look it up so we can say the name. I, uh, Kareem Hunt. I'm Kareem sorry. Hunt, yes. Sorry, guys. Kareem Hunt. So you got Nick Chubb and Hunt. Hunt. Uh, you know, one of the better duos in terms of running backs in the league. Uh, you also got Baker Mayfield, but you also may have the uh, 
the emergence of uh, Odell Beckham coming back off injury as well. So that's going to be a tough game for the Bears as well. A week four division game, we open up with the Detroit Lions. Bears got to get the W there, but new quarterback in the center there, Jared Goff. So I think the Bears, you know, I think they'll take that one. And then week five, oh, and we talked about this before the show. So week five, all the way through week 11, is a tough road for the Bears. Mm-hmm. So the Bears in week five, they go out to Las Vegas playing the Raiders, in which a team that really dominated the Bears physically last year, a mm-hmm. team that prides themselves on running the ball, got a solid running back, and then they added another offensive lineman, a guy who we mentioned on our show a bunch of times, a guy who's from my hometown and Alex Leatherwood. Uh, they drafted him in the first round, another big road grader, big offensive lineman to add to that that physicality, that presence that, that uh, Coach Gruden wants. Uh, you know, to he wants his team to have that identity of being a physical team. So you bring him in there, you get the Packers. Yeah, and, and it reminds you, Jay Mack, of week seven to week 13 last year the Bears had where they had those six losses in a row. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to learn uh, from from that last year. And and I know you're talking about the, the Raiders game was, was two years ago, I think in 2019 in London, right, where they right. where Akeem Hicks got hurt yep. and they ran the ball and they out-physicaled them. But uh, that run, and I know you're going to go through the games here, but it really reminds you uh, of that stretch run last year. Uh, like I said, week seven to week 13 where the Bears lost six in a row and, and, and dismantled their season. Yeah, I mean, you look here, you've got, I mean, week seven, they've got the Bucks, Super mm. Bowl champs. you got Tom Brady. At the Bucks, At the Bucks, And everybody talks about Tom Brady and offense, but look what that defense did in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So the Bears, Bears, although the Bears beat them last year, right? Yeah. With, with the foes at, 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 uh, on the center, but at home. At home, they beat them, and, and the Bucks are obviously uh, defending Super Bowl champs now and, and you know, work probably are used to each other, work better together, a better team, and obviously Tom Brady is always tough to beat at home. Definitely. Then they, they after that game, they go on the uh, the 49ers coming to town. Always a tough team, young team. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's got that team <laughs> producing a lot of great players on that team. Uh, the question for that team, uh, with a lot of teams, is the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be Lance or Garoppolo? So, how about uh, how about Trey Lance versus Justin Fields? That'd be beautiful. That'd, that'd right? be awesome. Right? That'd be awesome yeah. here in Chicago. That'd be a treat for the Bears yeah. friends. So, I'm hoping that happens. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But another tough game, uh, so to speak, for the Bears, and then. Uh, brother, we played here. Tough place to play in week nine. They're going on the road to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And no matter what the storyline is in Pittsburgh every year, one thing remains constant. They're well coached. Mm-hmm. They are a tough physical football team, and they don't make a lot of mistakes. Right. And this is a team that just drafted Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama, to help Roethlisberger and take pressure off that passing game. It's yeah. going to be a tough one for the Bears. Yeah, and that, that as an offensive lineman, that defensive front with uh, Watt, Tuit, uh, Hayward, uh, they're always a handful. So uh, the Bears' offensive line, you know, Tevin Jenkins, you're hoping the young guy shows a lot of promise and they start him at left tackle, right? And, and you know, if they can stay healthy, we've got to, get to keep James Daniels healthy this year. I thought mm-hmm. he was their best lineman last year uh, before he tore his pec. So a big challenge for them always. Uh, Coach Tomlin's defensive units are always a big challenge up front. Definitely. And then after that, you get the Ravens come to town. You got Lamar Jackson and company. Oh my goodness. What? And you got that solid defense by the Ravens. And another well-coached ball club, Coach Harbaugh, always has that team in the playoff hunt. And as we know, Lamar Jackson always does something special. So like you said oh, before the show, it's going to be interesting to see what new defensive coordinator Sean Desai cooks up to contain Lamar. Yeah, and you know, I'm interested to see uh, 
Greg Roman scheme, you know, if they get Ronnie Stanley, who, who had an injury last year, they get him back. Uh, their big left tackle, that offensive line is big. They got big tight ends. They got a big fullback. Yeah. Uh, they like to run the ball. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is a part of the running game. Greg Roman scheme is always interesting to me to watch on film. He runs like a gap read scheme, uh, takes advantage of everything Lamar Jackson does well. Uh, you said earlier, uh, before we even started the show, you said that's why it's good they're getting Eddie Goldman back to help stop that right. run. Um, we're hoping that that Bears front seven this year turns into what we wanted them to be last year, J-Mac, right, where uh, they were going to be the strength of the whole team. Ferocious, yeah. uh, Nick Quinn back rushing the passer, uh, Eddie Goldman back in the middle, Roquan Smith playing, still playing at a high level, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks to stay healthy. Um, it, these kind of matchups then would be really, really interesting if that defense is playing at a high level. Definitely. And, and all those names you mentioned, all the star power on that defense, you know, Eddie Goldman coming back, you already know Mack and, and you know, Hicks and all those guys are going to have their hands full. Mm-hmm. They're going to have their hands full, you know, regardless, like I said, Lamar is, is with the ball in his hands, he's special and he always does something that's sports center worthy. So let's, let's hope we don't see a lot of that when they come here to Soldier Field, but uh, definitely a good game for, for the Bears fans, so to speak. Uh, the next one, week 12, the Bears at Detroit, Thanksgiving game, national TV, mm-hmm. a tradition game, a game in which the Bears will have to win. Got to win division games, brother, especially on the road. I remember Lovey would always say, if you win a division game on the road, it's like winning two games. Right. So, I mean, it's, that's, it's a must win for the Bears. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to watch uh, the Lions bite kneecaps this year with their new coach, uh, Dan Campbell, right? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, they kind of revamped their team. You said earlier, yeah. uh, golf, you know, they st- they drafted that young running back. I think it was last year, DeAndre Swift. Uh, TJ yeah. Hawkinson looked like a player last year. They get Panay Sewell uh, in the first round this year out of Oregon. Uh, that offensive line is going to be interesting to watch this year. Um Jay Mack, I think they got uh, an old center there, uh, Hank Fraley, as their offensive line coach. I got to double check that, but I think that's who they got up there. Got, yeah. And, you know, they go for left tackle Taylor Decker. Uh, Jonah Jackson was their third round pick last year at left guard. Frank Ragno is turning to. He has an argument for to be the best center in the NFL right now, and they paid him like it, right? Mm. They gave him a lot of money. Uh, Hadapuli, Vitae, Vitae. Uh, they're going to move in the right guard, and then they put Panay Sewell out there at right tackle, and that's a pretty good front. It, it looks like it on paper, at least. So uh, they get stronger in the offensive line. Obviously, their defense has still has some questions about it, but um, it, they're an interested team to see uh, what direction Coach Campbell takes them in. They got Anthony Lynn as their offensive coordinator, former San Diego Chargers head coach. Mm-hmm. You know he wants to run the ball. Definitely. So you're thinking they're going to be a run the ball, uh, punch you in the mouth, and then play defense kind of football team. So so we should see. We should see what, what these Lions look like this year. Yeah, and you mentioned Swift, too, a guy running back uh, that came out of uh, University of Georgia. Really good back because he, he he can do everything. He's effective, you know, running inside, out on the perimeter, but he also can come out of the backfield and create mismatches uh, and, you know, and catch the ball. So he's definitely a weapon that the we, Bears We, we thank you for. for dropping that one. Yeah, <laughs> you saw that. Yeah, right? we thank you for dropping that at the end yeah. of the game last year. But, um, yeah, they, they're, they're – to me, they're an interesting team interesting. to watch. Yeah, and anything can happen on, on Thanksgiving Day, so that'll be fun to watch. Um, week thirteen, brother, Arizona Cardinals come to town, and we just talked about Lamar Jackson, but you got Kyler Murray, who's showtime as well. Mm-hmm. But not only just Kyler Murray, I mean, you've got DeAndre Hopkins, I and mean, you've got a tough defense, um, you know, a defense that's full of playmakers. A guy who's one of my favorite defensive players in the league to watch is Buda Baker. Buda Baker. I mean, Buda Baker is U-dub. like a little pit bull. You dub. You dub. 
I, say I'm, I'm, who. There you go. Say dog, say bad. I won't say it on the radio. I love it, man. He is a dog. Yeah. Buddha Baker is a dog. I mean, he he's not the biggest guy, but he packs a punch. And he will come down and he will, like you said, Coach Campbell's talking about biting kneecaps off. Well, guess mm. what? He's going to fill that alley yeah. and there's going to be some kneecaps taken off when Buddha Baker's on the field. So I'm excited to see that. Chandler Jones, a guy who's Never mentioned as one of the best pass rushers in the league, but oh, he has good, the man. stats. Yeah. To, to Men lie, women lie, numbers never lie, and yeah. Chandler Jones has the numbers, man. Yeah. And, you know, the uh, the thing I like saying, J-Mac, though, is I don't like the sound of Kyler Murray versus Andy Dalton, but I do like the sound <laughs> of Kyler Murray versus Justin Fields, right? And it kind of feels like right. uh, I think this is why the city's so excited, right? Because Lamar Jackson versus Justin Fields, right? right? And uh, you can see these uh, coming in for the TV promos, them putting those two guys up against each other. And you can see how why everybody's so excited that hopefully uh, this kid is who we all hope he is, who the Bears traded up for, uh, because – just saying that you know yeah. uh, uh, Arizona's coming to town okay they got Kyler Murray well we got Justin Fields, uh, Justin Fields. let's go let's I'm let's, let's you, go I'm excited to see that I mean yep. um, next one coming up brother is uh, Green Bay mm-hmm. Bears up at Lambeau and the main question for Green Bay is this year is the storyline all right. season right. A-Rod or not Right, that's all that matters right now. A rod or not, and I hope it's not for the. Well, and, and like me and you know, uh, we'll, you know, maybe we can just touch on this A rod situation now. Um, if you don't have a quarterback, you're a totally different football team now. Like so, uh, uh, the Packers without A rod, uh, the MVP of the league, uh, a guy who can make every throw, he directs their offense. Uh, you know him with Devontae Adams, with Bakhtiari, or Jones. I mean that that is just. It's 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 a really good offense. They, they put up a ton of points. Yep. You can make an argument that they would have been in the Super Bowl last year if Bakhtiari doesn't get hurt in practice that week before they play uh, Tampa Bay. I think it was that week or it was the week before. But them mm-hmm. losing him, you lose the best left tackle in the league. Uh, that's going to hurt your chances. Okay? Definitely. But I'm going to tell you this right now, Jay Mack, and I think we talked about this before. I know A-Rod is not at minicamp, and I know he's not happy. Uh I'm not training A-Rod. I don't care how mad he is. I don't care. Unless, you know, unless you've seen something from this love kid that you really, really like, right? Because when they got rid of Brett Favre, they knew what they had in Aaron Rodgers, right? right? Well, okay, we'll move on because we got another Hall of Famer here. Mm -hmm. Unless this kid is in practice showing you he's a Hall of Famer or he's an MVP type player, I am not. Moving on from A Rod, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to his house. I'm gonna buy his favorite drink, fill the right. cooler up, do what you got to sit do. on a cooler yeah. and say I, I I will not be the general manager when everybody everybody in the league is looking for a Hall of Fame type quarterback, a difference maker since since Tampa Bay got Tom Brady and won the Super Bowl. Everybody wants one of these guys. Yep. They'll give up four first round picks, five first round. They'll give you anything you want. You're gonna be the guy to get rid of. The guy you already got. And I know everybody says, well, the relationship can't be fixed. Hey, hey listen, money has fixed a lot of relationships, J Mac. Yep. Hey, it's, it's, there's no love for Jordan Love up there in Green Bay. When you have Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, forget no. all that stuff. That yep. goes out the window. You're talking yep. about relationships. I don't care what you got to do. Like you said, if you got to repropose to Aaron Rodgers, say, <laughs> look here, we're going to buy you a new ring. We're going to yep. give you another yep. bag of money. Yep. You got to do what you got to do to make your once in a lifetime quarterback feel wanting at Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. Like, how can you make your franchise quarterback, the guy who's the heartbeat of your whole team, feel unwanted at Green Bay? Like, I mean, that's just unheard of. Like, what did you do? But whatever you did, you got to fix it. You got to fix it fast. Because right now, 
it's not looking good, and I'm glad it's not looking good. But hey, like you said, for their sake, you got to repropose to do whatever you got to do. You got to do whatever you got to do. And look, uh, some of this obviously is on Aaron Rodgers. I know he has, uh, you know, he has family relationships that aren't going well. He has all different relationships in his life that that seem to. Oh, he always seems to be mad at somebody, right? And <laughs> I remember my dad told me one time about uh, something. I forget what we were talking. I think we were talking about school when I kept doing bad and bad. And I kept blaming people, and he said, "Eventually, it's your fault." You know? <laughs> but but I mean, I know I don't know if you're the general manager for the Packers. Can you blame Aaron Rodgers? You just make him feel good. Uh, I know uh, fifty million dollars guaranteed would probably make him feel pretty good at thirty-seven or thirty-eight years him. old. Uh, he probably looks at Mahomes and these young guys and say, "Look, I need a contract like they got." So uh, we'll see what happens up there. I would be. It's fun to watch them go through it because they've been so stable at that position for so long, right? And, right. and obviously Chicago and the Bears have not been, but I'd be shocked if, if if the Packers move on from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, me too. And the one thing is you mentioned too, brother, and I'll leave it like this because we keep beating this dead horse, but it's with, with A-Rod, it's like, like you said, regardless of what's going on in his personal life or off the field, the one thing that remains constant is his play. He's always the same guy. He's going to be top two, three quarterback in the league every single year. So they know what they're getting. Like you said, they got to fix yeah. it. We'll see what and, happens. And like we talked about, uh, what a lot of people talk about, um, you know, their coach up there not uh, kicking the field goal, yeah. uh, not going for the touchdown there late in the game. A lot, a lot of talk about everything that went on to stop them from getting the Super Bowl. I got two words for them. David Bakhtiari. Mm-hmm. That's why they didn't get to the Super Bowl. They, they, their best, the best left tackle in the league was hurt. And if anybody loses the best left tackle in the league, it's, it's going to hurt you. I, I don't care who you got as their backup, right? So you put uh, Bakhtiari out there and you let him go one-on-one with JPP and he locks that side down and you get the double-team Barrett or whoever is out there on the other side and now you move Turner from left tackle to right tackle where he belongs. It's a totally different game, yeah. J-Mac. It's just, it just is. It's something that people don't talk about a lot. It's something that even if I'm a general manager in Green Bay, I call everybody in and I tell them that. Like, let's settle down. Yeah. Like, I know what happened at the end of the year and I know what happened at the end of that game and I know what could happen but we, we were missing right? you know I think they gave I think Bakhtiari has like a hundred million dollar contract I think he's yeah. making 27 or 24 million dollars a year to play left tackle he's pretty damn good every, worth every penny and you lost him worth every you penny. lost him against Jason Pierre-Paul yeah. and, and Barrett that that look like, like I said if you got a guy out there left tackle say okay we don't have to worry about him we'll slide the line the other way now Aaron is standing clean. Right. Go back and watch that game. Yeah, JPP killed Turner at left tackle. Killed That's him. Right. He, was, he was in Rogers' lap all game long. Right, that pressure was there. The game is totally different. So if I'm the Packers, and and look, uh, uh, the Bears fans don't give them this podcast because we don't want to help them out too much. <laughs> right, please but I don't, don't panic. Please don't. Please don't. Next game, week fifteen, brother. Oh, the Vikings come to town. Always a tough game. Minnesota is always a tough out for the Bears. Even when we were there, it was a tough out. Mm-hmm. Solid team, well coached team, and you've got you know good running backs, good offensive line, a good scheme up there. They run that zone scheme with Dalvin Cook. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. Another must win division game. Mm-hmm. Got to win, especially at home. And and they get a ton of defensive pieces back, right, to yes. help Zimmer and his defense out. They had a lot of guys out last year, right? Uh, uh, Michael Pierce opted out. Daniel Hunter was hurt. Yeah. Anthony Barr was hurt. 
Kendricks is hurt late in the year. You're already at JMAP. You're already at $100 million on the sideline for your defense for the Minnesota Vikings. They go out this year. Uh, we know Zimmer was a cornerback coach. He wants to play some of that man coverage and, and mix the zone in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he didn't have that last year, but he went out. He got Patrick Peterson from the Cardinals, right? Uh, he got Brashad Breeland. Um, so they, they shored up their defense uh, like, yeah. like everybody else. Definitely. Uh, they're trying to get better. Um, it'd be interesting, though, uh, Gary Kubiak retires, one, one of the better offensive coordinators in the NFL, runs the you know outside zone right. scheme, this phenomenon uh, known more as the Shanahan scheme, but Kubiak mm-hmm. is this guy who actually hired Kyle Shanahan out in Houston. That's a whole other story. Um, he retires. His son takes over. Um, so, you know, uh, some more coach privilege or whatever you want to <laughs> call that, but the son moves up. But, but you know, they're going to miss that guy. They're yeah, going to miss definitely. their OC. Uh, he's gonna, they're going to miss him on game day. They're going to miss him calling plays. They're going to miss all that experience. Um, you know, their quarterback, obviously, Kirk Cousins will miss him. You know, they'll, he'll miss that, that having that knowledge in his ear. So um, I'm expecting their offense to take a step back. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, too, I think, I think offensively, you'll see, you know, with, with him taking over for his dad, uh, Coach Kubiak, you'll see similar scheme, mm-hmm. but it won't be as polished because he's not going to nope. have that knowledge like you just said. Yeah. So, you know, a tough game for the Bears, but I think we'll get the W there. Uh, week 16. Take that long trip to Seattle, a trip that we took Ooh, many a time. Tough, tough place to play, man. man. And, and fans will be back. Can yeah. you imagine how it's going to sound? I, I hope the pandemic just stays in man, Seattle. I'm telling you. <laughs> tough place to play. Hey, they, they got to keep that place closed. Man, it, <laughs> oh, it, it, it's so loud in there, and the fans, and we'll, we'll tell you, it's it's so loud in there. Me and brother are right now, we're sitting right across from each other, and it's so loud. If you're out there at that stand, we can't even hear each other. No, I mean, not at all. And it's, a, and it's an open stadium. It's not like it's a dome or anything like that. It, it, it looks it, the quarterback. His mouth is moving, but I yeah. can't hear a word. That's I'm, I'm trying to read his lips because yeah. I can't hear anything. As coming up in Seattle, like now, I played uh, like you know at the University of Washington in Seattle, mm-hmm. and their fans are just like that. Yeah. The University of Washington was crazy, and the, uh, the UW Stadium is built. Like the Seahawks stadium, right mm-hmm. where the like the top is almost hanging over the field, so the noise is yelling right down on the field, and, and the fans in Seattle uh, love their sports and they love screaming during the game, and they do a great job uh, of affecting opposing teams' offenses. And I, I know they affected us a few times, definitely. And it was always, you know, me personally, it was always one of my favorite places to play. Mm-hmm. You know, such a beautiful town, such a yep. beautiful city, and like you said, the passion of the fans and, and you know how they're yelling and screaming. Even when we're coming out of the tunnel, I mean, they're cussing us out and oh, stuff yeah, like oh, yeah. that. So yeah. it was always it was always a challenge going up there, and I, I'm truly thankful we had the opportunity to do that. But like I said, it's going to be tough for the Bears coming off a of pandemic year mm-hmm. with. with that crowd noise. Um, week 17, Giants at the Bears. Giants rebuilding team. What's the deal with Saquon Barkley? Mm-hmm. Is he going to come back and be that guy? Can Daniel Jones take a step forward and be the quarterback that they envisioned him to be when they drafted him? A lot of questions for the Giants. So I think the Bears, another must win here, especially at home at Soldier Field, brother. It is a must win, especially like you just talked about the games they had right out in Seattle. Um, I mean, if they can pull that one out, obviously immediately you're thinking uh, 2018. Uh, what was the biggest difference between you know maybe the defense then, obviously uh, Kyle Fuller now in Denver, so that is a big difference. Uh, who's going to play that uh, left cornerback spot for the defense? But it, it was takeaways. Right. Yeah. It was, it was takeaways. Uh, the takeaways have not been there the last two years. Uh, you win a game on the road like that. Uh, you got to finish 
you got to finish. You got to win the turnover battle, right? Definitely. So, um, is is Khalil Mack and and Quinn are they harassing Russell Wilson? Are we getting to the quarterback? Um, is Eddie Jackson back to the ball hawking safety that we need him to be? Uh, uh, you know, causing we all know what causes turnovers, uh, takeaways. I don't want Alex Brown and Lance Briggs to call me. They don't, they don't like when I say turnover. <laughs> uh, what causes takeaways is a really fast defense that harasses the quarterback. That, that's what causes takeaways. Uh, they get after you. They speed up your clock, and now the ball's on the ground. Or, or you got uh, Mr. Peanut Tillman who punches everything out uh, in sight. But um, our defense has to get back to that. And then uh, our cornerbacks, our, our safeties, they got to drive on a ball and they got to catch a few of these. Yeah, you mentioned cornerbacks too. I mean, who, good question. Who's the who's the other cornerback? Mm-hmm. Who's the other cornerback? Yeah, we got we get Brad Biggs on. We yeah. get somebody who's the other cornerback? Big uh, question. Yeah, well, well I'm, you know who it is. I'm sure it's some guy who looks great at Hallis Hall right now. <laughs> <laughs> he looks great. You in should shorts. see. Oh man, he looks amazing right now. <laughs> T Med's got him looking so good oh, in his man, shorts in the guy, jersey. Oh, he's, he's, he he blankets that uh, uh, assistant cornerback coach on that post route. <laughs> oh man, uh, so week eighteen. Bears at Vikings, brother. Obviously, we you know a couple of weeks uh, back, you know they're gonna few week a uh, few weeks within playing each other. So the familiarity is already gonna be there. But like you said, it's a division game. Yeah. So hey, records go out the window. So must win. What uh what do you got them Matt J Matt? What what record did you give them? Uh, did did you find ten wins for them in there somewhere? Or what what did you get them at? I think it's gonna be tough. I'm, I think I'm leaning on like what you said. Would you say eight, nine, eight and nine? Yeah, and, I, and I'm, I'm not a guy who always, you know, oh, they're gonna be this and that. I look at it game by game. Um, but you know, I'm more interested in seeing how they're gonna play against different teams and, and the star power they're gonna face in terms of quarterback. I mean, you've got Brady, you've got Jackson, you got Murray. I mm-hmm. mean, it's 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 gonna be fun. Um, so I, I don't think I don't see ten wins. I hope they do, but I, I don't really see ten wins. Yeah, and and. Um the one big question I have, and, and we're gonna, I'm gonna find a, a guest for us to get on, and uh, to all our listeners, you know, through this June and July months where there's not much, anything you want us to hear, you want to hear us talk about, or or get a few guests on, or any guests you'd like to hear, let us know. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, uh, and you know, we we also have a. A Twitter account for the No Name Football Podcast. Uh, just let us know what you guys want to hear about. But for the Bears, for me, to, to get 10, 11 wins, get to the playoffs, um, this just uh, Sean Desai guy, uh, the guy, you know, defensive coordinator, obviously safeties coach last year. They're very mm-hmm. high on him. Yep. Uh, even players speak highly of him. Former players speak highly of him. Um, obviously, a uh, very smart guy. Um, he's going to have to be a Brandon Staley type, right? Brandon Staley just got hired by the Chargers. Uh, He was here before. He was the uh, defensive coordinator for the Rams last year. Uh, This defense, that front seven, again, uh, even with this team, even with Justin Fields, even with everything they've done, all the money is still on that front seven on defense. Those guys are going to have to have years. You know, Akeem Hicks uh, goes to their training staff, um, their strength coaches. They, they got to get these guys ready, right? Akeem Hicks a little bit older, yeah. uh, still big, still strong. I uh, heard about some knee problems before Quinn. Uh, some whispers that his back was the problem last year, right? Uh, get Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, I think, at the end of the season, Coach Nagy said that his shoulder was bugging him, yeah. right? So uh, Sean Desai and his staff, uh, obviously they lose Jay Rogers to the Chargers. Uh, you know, they got a new uh, defensive line coach and Chris Rumpf, right? A new inside linebacker coach. So um, 
the guy that I think he went to the Lions, uh, Roquan Smith played really well under. He helped develop Roquan Smith. He's gone now. They got a new inside linebacker coach in Bill McGovern. Uh, just a lot of new new faces over there on defense on the coaching side. Right. And coaching is important, J-Map. Definitely. Yeah, and, and the thing, too, is you look at it like this. Yeah, you have a lot of new coaches in terms of your staff, but the – you have the same players and you have these players hopefully coming back healthy mm-hmm. a lot of injuries you mentioned amongst all those guys um, you know I think a guy that's really that really has to step up and we've talked about it over and over again is Robert Quinn mm-hmm. I mean you look at him you know you have Khalil Mack demanding so much attention on that side you know you got Robert Quinn now That's you got to take some of the pressure off that's why they brought you in here that's why they paid you top dollar to be mm-hmm. able to get after that quarterback um, Roquan's going to be Roquan I think Roquan's going to have another break a year especially coming on off year in which he got snubbed in which he should have been a pro bowler man he looked good last year he looked, he looked great good. Last year. and uh, again I'd have to look at the pro bowl team and see who I would take off because a lot of times you'll say that like they got a pro bowl year yeah. and my answer always everybody's okay who do you take off okay. for that guy right because uh, probably Bobby Wagner is you know mm-hmm. probably in there Right, um, uh, uh, the inside linebacker for the 49ers. I, I'm losing his name now. Um, uh, I'll find him before the podcast is over. But an uh, interesting guy in that whole defensive mix, J Mac. Wondering how you think he'll fit in is uh, former Green Bay Packers, former Cleveland Browns head coach, former Green Bay Packers defense quarter Mike Pettin is, is in the building. Right. You know, I think they have him as senior defensive assistant. Uh, obviously a, a shoulder to lean on for Sean Desai. Definitely. You always, and, and I, I remember a, a great coach, I want to say it was Nick Saban, and Nick Saban said, you know what, when he looks at hiring individuals for his coaching staff, he always tries to hire people smarter than himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can never have enough knowledge in the, in that in that coaching room. And, you know, you bring in a guy like that who's had a lot of success in his league being a defensive coordinator who can help a young defensive coordinator, a first-time defensive coordinator, he can help ease that transition. You know, so I'm sure they've been, you know, at Hallis Hall Right now, bouncing ideas off each other, you know, devising a scheme uh, tailor made to their players. And I remember Sean Desai in an interview that he had. He said that he wanted to make sure his players just played fast and physical. And we heard everybody say that. that. Yeah, everybody says that. But it's true because if you're out there thinking, well, then you're not playing fast. Right. And offensively, we already have an advantage over the defense because we know we're running. Mm-hmm. The defense is all about reacting. So we already know what we're doing. They got to react. But if you can play fast and physical, and you don't have to think as much, but you're going to get better results. So, you know, let's see if Sean Desai can turn that that coach speak into action for this defense because we've got a lot of great players, and, you know, we've got to be able to, to get to the quarterback and generate – Takeaways like like Briggs and, and Brown always bugs you yeah. about, so I made sure I said it right. And then you know, obviously, he's a Vic Fangio guy. He mentions Vic. Sean Desai mentions Vic as one of his mentor. And man, do I have a ton of respect for Vic Fangio? That you put on the film and watch him play chess against offensive coordinators. Vic usually wins. He's, yeah. he's very good at it. Um, the name I, uh, Fred Warner, San Francisco Forty Nine middle linebacker. Exactly. I shouldn't forget his name. The way that that man <laughs> plays football. He's a beast. <laughs> and, uh, he's a beast. But um. Uh, just want to finish on J Mag real quick. Uh, what did you think about Julio Jones being traded to the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, I mean, to start, I think, uh, you know, we're on Twitter. AJ Brown, a uh, great receiver for the Titans, did a great job of recruiting Julio right, right, <laughs> to Tennessee. Right. And you bring Julio in, you've got AJ Brown, you got Tannehill, and then you got that big beast, King Henry, back there in the backfield running the ball. I mean, Tennessee's offense is looking great. It's looking great. And, and everybody can say what they want about Julio. Oh, he's getting older. The one thing remains the production. 
The no production doubt. had his production isn't getting older. He's always one of the top receivers in the league in terms of numbers. I mean, still a big, fast, strong guy. It doesn't look like he's aging any. He may have he may have lost a step, but his step that he lost is still better than than a lot of these receivers in the league. So you bring in a weapon like that opposite AJ Brown, I think you know Tennessee is going to do well. Yeah, and then, you know, obviously when you line up against the Titans, no matter who's out there. You got to stop Derrick Henry, gotta right? Stop. You got to stop the monster uh, in the backfield there. Uh, Tannehill um, kind of resurrected his career, right? Came over from the Dolphins, uh, played really well under Arthur Smith, and that's a question for the Titans now. Arthur Smith moves to the Falcons, and he trades um, Julio Jones back to the Titans. But uh, I think Todd Downing, I think, is the name of the new offense coordinator in Tennessee. Uh, I'll check that before off off this podcast here, but. Um, He's got a big job, right? Because uh, Tannehill obviously spoke Arthur Smith's language, right? And then yeah. we talk about um, no matter who you have all around the place, Derrick Henry and, and and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, and they got Taylor Luan, they got Roger Saffield, they got Ben Jones, they got Nate Davis, they got a uh, they draft the kid Dylan Radunes. Um, you know, they got a good offensive line too. They like to run the ball, uh, but your quarterback's got to be playing at a very efficient high level for you to compete in the NFL. And for me, um, they get Julio Jones and that's, and him, AJ Brown and, you know, a couple wide receivers, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, guys who are yeah. talented like Julio. I think Julio actually has better numbers than they do through 10 years. Yeah. Julio Jones' numbers, if you look it up, is unbelievable. I think he leads almost every category through like 130 something games. Yeah. Uh, besides obviously Jerry Rice beats him in a few, but, um, your quarterback. Your quarterback's the guy, right? Your quarterback's going to be the guy, and Arthur Smith obviously got a lot out of Tannehill. Uh, we'll see if Downey can do the same. And that's the question. He's got. He's got all. He's got a lot of weapons. He's right? got it all. Uh, the one year I think he was 2017. He was the Raiders' offensive coordinator, and I don't think they had the year that they thought they were going to have. So uh, he's got a lot to prove, right? And then obviously they have Vrabel, who's a defensive coach, so he wants to run the ball and play defense, Jay Mack. But um, hey, man, fun, fun to do it again. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll try not to disappear to Hawaii, <laughs> <laughs> to Hawaii, too many more times, but. Um, uh, enjoyed it, and we'll get to John Tate here. Well, J-Mac, man, uh, we love getting our former teammates on. Uh, got a guy today, obviously, me and you both have a ton of respect for. Uh, a pro's pro, uh, one of the best teammates I ever had. Uh, you know, just ferocious, but but calm, a lot of integrity, mm-hmm. just kind of a really interesting guy to play ball with, a guy I learned a lot from. So uh, today, you know, uh, we got John Tate on with us. Uh, you know, he was he grew up in, in Arizona, uh, went to McClintock High School. I hope I said that correctly. He'll correct me if I didn't. Well, obviously, he was all state, all region, all city, all everything coming out of high school. Ended up at BYU, highly recruited, though, before that. Uh, ended up being a freshman All-American, Sporting News, J-Mac. Mm. Uh, ended up being all whack sophomore and junior year, All-American, his junior year team captain, uh, drafted uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs, the 14th pick of the first round, ended up playing 10 years in NFL, five for the Chiefs, uh, five for the Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, let me check here, make sure you get this right, because I don't like when people screw mine up. Uh, I think he started 139 football games. That's a lot of football, of football, man. John Tate, thanks for joining us. Hey, man, thanks. That was a, quite the introduction. I really appreciate it, man. I'm really happy to be here. 
Big hey, Tate. McClintock High School, man. What's up, J Mac? How you doing? Good. Good to have you on, man. Uh, obviously, like Ola said, it was definitely a pleasure playing with you, man. A lot of respect for you. Uh, a lot of games with you, man. And I'm just thankful. You know, like I tell Olin all the time, I haven't had a chance to tell you, but I'm thankful I, we had you guys uh, part of the locker room. You know, you guys kept it fun, but you kept it professional. And uh, that translated into a lot of success for us. I want to thank you personally and, and also thank you for being on. Oh, man. The feelings are mutual, bro. Thank you for uh, for having me. And, you know, hey, you're being a fullback. You're like the sixth man on the offensive line. You know, I, there's a whole lot of plays where uh, J Mac failed me out at some bad pass. So. <laughs> that is a fact. Hey, hey, John. You know, one thing uh, while just you know studying up on you uh, for the podcast, and, and I think that's I don't know if J Mac will agree with me, but it's one of the best things about doing a podcast and bring your old teammates on. Uh, you get to study them a little bit. And one thing that really interested me, J Mac, was uh, the fact of John. You you going on a mission and having that on your plate, uh, coming out of high school, uh, schools recruiting you, but you saying, "Look, I, I have to go on a mission because because I'm a man of my faith." And could you just explain to us and and, and our listeners, uh, going through that a little bit, how the recruiting process was different from you, and how a 17 or 18 year old kid uh, dedicates that much time to serving other people. Yeah, um, that's a good question. That's, um, there was something, you know, I, I, I grew up uh, uh, Mormon, and uh, it was something that uh, I kind of always thought I was going to do, you know, go on a mission when I got old enough. Football hadn't really started up for me. So when I started getting better and better in high school, um, you know, there was a lot of people that uh, asked me if I was not going to go on a mission or if I was just going to, you know, take a scholarship and, and, and start my college career. But, yeah, it was always something that I felt like, um, it was something that I wanted to do and I didn't want to pass up on. Um, and it, it was interesting because I always thought that I would only get uh, scholarship offers from BYU because that was one school that was kind of letting people leave to go for two years and, and they were keeping their scholarship. But I was, I was kind of surprised. There was a few schools I was getting recruited by, uh, Colorado and UCLA and Texas, some of these other schools. And they actually told me that if I wanted to, I could, I could go on the mission and, and come back and they would hold my scholarship for me. So that, that was pretty cool. And, and, uh, but BYU was kind of the place I always wanted to go. And I think uh, the reason why I wanted to go there was, you know, getting back off your mission and getting back into football shape. They really knew how to do that. But, you know, I went to Knoxville, Tennessee. It's not exactly the most exotic place in the world. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, going out there and just helping people, doing a lot of community service and telling people about something that you believe in. It's um it's an important thing and 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 you're right doing it at a young age you know I was out there when I was 19 years old and um it uh, it changes you it forces you to be thinking about things that are a little bit more uh, I don't know a little bit more serious than what some of my friends were off doing and uh it kind of it, it it's something that leaves a mark on you that you can't change uh you know pretty much for the rest of your life. Well, man, that, that's impressive because when I was 18, I was always thinking about going to McDonald's, getting myself something to eat. But uh, it, it shows you, J-Mac, like when he said, when John said, look, uh, the coo- the other school said, go ahead, go on your mission. It shows you how good John was in high school, oh, yeah. right? The coach is like, we'll, we'll, no, 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 we'll wait for you. <laughs> Do whatever <laughs> when you, you want. When you come back, we got time. Do whatever you want. Uh, Big Tay, I want to ask you, man, uh, how's retirement been? What have you been up to? What are you doing now? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, you know, when I when I left uh, Chicago, uh, when I retired, I uh, I went back to school. I went to uh, film school mm. at uh, Columbia College there in Chicago, and it was something I've always been interested in. I've always been kind of a documentary junkie, and 
and uh, and and like to that kind of world. I, my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, he's working at a uh, he was a film editor in New York, and every once in a while I'd go back and go visit him and see what he was doing. And I, I just always thought it was super interesting. So went back, got a film degree, and then uh, moved to uh, California in uh, 2012. And uh, just been living out here and uh, making films. I make uh, little documentaries for a lot of nonprofits, my kids' school, stuff like mm. that. It's been kind of kicking around. Been doing a little bit of work for a, a music uh, licensing company that my brother-in-law runs. Uh, they do a lot of music for um, original music for like Apple and Google and Audi and stuff like that. So mm. just kind of kicking around. But um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Hey, John, uh, tell us a little bit about, you talked about your, your wife and your kids. Tell us about uh, how many kids you have now. Are, are you doing, are you involved in their schools? Uh, are you doing any coaching out there? Any, any involved in any sports at all? Uh, yeah, doing, you know, some Little League stuff. Been coaching kids' soccer teams and, and, and baseball and stuff like that. I got four kids. Mm. Uh, my oldest is uh, 15. I got a 12 year old boy. I got a 10 year old girl and a six year old girl. So wow. they definitely keep us busy. And, uh, uh, you know, every, uh, COVID this year was pretty hard on everybody, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're working our way out of that. And it's, it's interesting, um, you know, being able to be involved in your kids' lives, it's, it's really rewarding. And you start to realize how much your own parents, you know, did for you when you were growing <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> it's the toughest <laughs> job there is. But it's, like I said, it's, you know, it's really rewarding. It's great to see them grow up and time's going fast. So no football players in the crew, but, uh, a lot of a lot of other talent, and it's been fun to watch them grow and and uh, see what they can do. Big Tate, me and Olin, we always talk about how how football uh, prepares young men, uh, gives them the tools to be successful in life, and how that how football teaches life lessons. And now we're we're all fathers now. How has football helped you into becoming a, a good dad? How has that helped you? Uh, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, just. It's the responsibility and the accountability of other people counting on you. You know, mm-hmm. it's like when 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 you play offensive line, you know, and you're playing left tackle, right tackle. You know, there's a whole lot of people that are counting on you to do your job because if you don't, the whole play falls apart real fast. Um, and I I feel like that's the same way with um, in life. You know, where no matter what you're doing, whether it's school or or, or your family responsibilities. Um, you know, you always want to work hard. You always want to be there for other people. You always want to have them count on you, um, just like you're counting on them. So I, I feel like that's really important. Um, and then also, um, just the, the the teamwork. You know, being a part of a team, whether your family's a team or whether your team of uh, people at work or in any other kind of you know organization, um, it's uh, sticking together and and doing what you can for each other to make things go. Oh, John, before we head into the uh, football stuff that I know the listeners want to hear about, give us uh, one or two films you've done that, that you're most proud of. And, and is there any way uh, we can get a hold of those and, and check them out? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, if you go on uh, Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O dot com slash John 76, J-O-H-N 76, it's got all the videos that I'm doing on there. But, mm. So. I did a documentary about a guy who is uh, in, in South Dakota at, at State Penitentiary who makes wheelchairs for kids. Um, and I've done um, uh, another uh, film about a, a lady who, um, she was a living organ donor for a, a, another lady who needed a kidney. And it's kind of a little bit about their journey on there. That's uh, how they came to me and um, she made the decision to give her kidney to her. So 
I, I'm, I'm always drawn to, you know, life stories like that, kind of people going the extra mile and what makes them tick and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, you can all check it out on that website, Vimeo.com. Big Tay, we, we, so now that we know that you're doing this, we, we need you to do the, uh, to do the documentary of, of Brother Croots right here, man. How, how, how would that documentary play out, man? Hey, John, let my kids get older first, man. Hey, Big Tay, how would that documentary play out, man? How would you even start it? Like, hey, man, what? I'm trying not to like that. That would be epic, man. That would be I would not want to be the person following around with the camera, though. I don't know. You'd, have to get, you'd have to get a team, people. It'd be good. I'd work oh, on man. it. Well, John, man, um, I know you were a rock at right tackle and left tackle for us. Uh, the Bears, I don't know how much you follow them, but they just drafted a kid, Tevin Jenkins, out of Oklahoma State, played mostly right tackle in college. Uh, they're going to move him over to the left side, it looks like. And unless I have my numbers wrong here, I think you started uh, 78 games at left tackle and 61 at right tackle in the NFL. I know you played all left tackle at BYU. I couldn't find what you played in high school just kind of wondering uh, how hard it is is it in your opinion to change uh, from the right side to the left side or vice versa from the left side to the right side yeah that's a good question um, I mean it, everybody's different uh, some guys I was always amazed that, they, that some guys were able to flip flop back and forth John Sinclair for me who we played with was a good example of somebody who he just seemed he could play right, he could play left, he could do it in the same game, he flipped around in practice. Me, I, I wasn't so lucky. <laughs> it was it was really tough for me to switch from from tackle to tackle. The first time I switched was in Kansas City from left tackle to right. Uh, they signed a guy named uh, Willie Rofe, and so I kind of thought, eh, maybe I shouldn't try to play left tackle here anymore. I should probably try. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I played all left tackle in college, and I, you know, probably to my detriment a little bit. I never had to switch around. It was something, and maybe for some of the younger guys who are listening right now, if you play offensive tackle, definitely get your reps on the right side, get your left reps on the left side, because you never know where you're going to be called to play. And, uh, you know, if the, the more experience you can have switching the earlier in your career, the better it's going to be for you. So um, it's uh, it's hard. For me, you know, it was like I was a left-handed writer, you know, writing with the left hand and all of a sudden switching and trying to write with my my right hand mm. um, the habits are, are tough and you don't even understand kind of what um, those are until you move to the other side you know everything's hands and feet uh, your foot placement and you know you pass that they demand strict technique and um, it's uh, it's difficult but the, the one good thing is that you have time like Kevin he has time now with the OTAs and stuff to get in some reps and to work really hard with a good coach you know Juan Costa Castillo, he's uh, a Castillo, um, and he's been around forever. So he's in good hands, in my opinion, there. But it's just up to him. I mean, I saw some film on him. He's uh, he looks like a real road grader. He's just pancaking people on his, his highlight tapes from uh, Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he has the the athleticism and the agility to switch over to the left side, I don't. You know, I'm not 100 percent sure, but um, he definitely looks like he he's got a good chance. And they can do little things, too, to help them out. You know, one of the things that I was really lucky with, I played with some amazing guards in my career. You know, Ruben Brown, Roberto Garza, Will Shields. And those are guys, when, when you're a little bit shaky and you're switching to the other side, it feels really good to know that they got your back on the inside. Um, and, and, you know, you can chips with tight ends and, and chips out of the backfield 
with good running backs like and fullbacks like J Mac coming up and helping you out. It uh, can help you settle in there and, and, and let you know that you know you're not all alone and that you got your teammates and they got your back. So um, it's a mental thing. Um, you know, for me, I uh, I used to overthink things a little bit in my career. <laughs> it probably didn't help me out a lot in, in in switching back and forth. But it does get a little bit easier as your your career possesses pr- pr- progresses and you get more and more games under your belt and stuff like that. So. It's um, funny, man, because uh, J Mac, you can hear what made John great, right? Oh yeah, he critiques sure. himself. <laughs> for sure. I don't remember him uh, struggling as much as he 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 makes himself out to be, but uh, uh, unbelievable. I, I used to want to get out the way because I'd be afraid if I came out there to chip that I was going to disrupt his block. You know, you try to help out, but it's like, I don't want to help out too much because I know Big Tate already has his But guy. you should have been working on your chip technique there. <laughs> <laughs> the only chip technique I got now is potato chips. That's the only one right now, Big Tate. <laughs> hey, Tate, the only chips going on going on right now is, is barbecue lays, sour cream and onion. You know what I mean? Olin's still a workout warrior, man. I'm a little oh, more reserved now, man. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, no, Big yeah. Tate, I want to go back to uh, to you having that versatility, playing mm-hmm. left and right tackle. Uh, you know, me and only, we also talked to a lot of high school kids about were they, you know, dual sport athletes, and a lot of college coaches like dual sport athletes now. Uh, did you play any other sports in high school coming out? Um, yeah, I did a, just basically track and field, so I threw the shot. I was I kind of just got in the weight room when it was basketball season and I was always worried about, you know, screwing up my knee or something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, it, I, I stayed pretty busy in high school and, um, but, uh, yeah, that's all I did. Hey Tate, um, going back to that right and left tackle thing and, and, you, and you know that being offensive lineman, I'm going to wear you out on this, but, <laughs> um, yeah. so what did, did you feel like when you switched to right and or left that you had to work on something more than the other? Like, say, right tackle, did you feel like you could get bigger and stronger there? Left tackle, did you feel like you need to get more athletic on that side? Or did it depend on the scheme? I mean, take us through when you would switch that position. Take us through maybe something Tevin Jenkins can do as far as, okay, I I watched film of this guy because he matched my game. Or I worked on these drills when I played left and right tackle. Or, Or was it just as simple as I had to get as many reps as possible out of that stance yeah i mean reps are important it's like you know just doing it over and over and over and over again and and it's kind of a interesting thing too because at least for me it wasn't like a, a, a light switch that flipped and it's like all of a sudden i just got it mm-hmm. it was kind of a slow roll getting up to momentum to where i was feeling more confident with my with my play i would say if he's moving to left tackle the number one thing that he should be working on are his feet is if you can't get out of your stance and you're, you know, it, and, and as you know, and if you, you take a step and you're six inches in the wrong spot, it's, you're going to get beat. So, you know, and it's like those, it's like muscle memory. It's like habit. It's getting it down so that, you know, it's one thing to, to have great technique and, and great steps and feet and, and OTAs or when you're wearing shells or, you know, even when you're in a mini camp for three days. But now fast forward to game six. And I don't know, you're playing down in Miami and it's really hot and you're tired. And now you have to get out of your stance and you got, you know, a really great football player breathing down your neck on the other side of the ball. There's crowd noise. It's loud. Those are the times when you got to have your, your homework basically that you've already done and all the, the stuff in the weight room and, and stuff with the mitts and, and working on your, your sets after practice. That's when that stuff comes and you can, you know, it, it comes to fruition where you're able to play the best that you can play. 
Ted, I want to go back a little bit. Um, going back to the 1999 NFL draft, Kansas City picks you at number 14 in the first round. Uh, what was that draft experience like for you? Some of the memories that you have, you know, as we see now, the draft's a lot different from what it was from when, you know, we all came out. So what are some of the draft memories that you have? Yeah, um, it was cool. I mean, yeah, 1999, I didn't get invited to New York. Um, that was the year that they had the five quarterbacks drafted in the the first 11 picks. Um, I think the Bears took Caden Smith that year. Hmm. Uh, had to remind us, didn't you? Had to. <laughs> <laughs> Kick a guy when he's down, Tate. Jeez. Take, take it have been here a lot sooner if, we, if the Bears did their homework right. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was, it was cool. I mean, it was it was an interesting draft. There was a lot of you – know, I'm proud to, to be able to say that I was a part of a class of some really great players, you know, so, uh, Ricky Williams and Edron James and Tory Holt and mm. you know just some some really great players. But just the best thing that I remember is being around my family, getting everybody together, watching it you know on the TV at the house. I mean it was kind of weird because you know as what, what you don't really understand is you know teams are going to call and when you, when the team calls your agent, you think you're going to get drafted by him, but all they're doing is just talking numbers and uh, you know trying to figure out stuff like that. So we had a few phone calls before the Chiefs one finally landed but um, and got a little excited. It was a false alarm. But, no, it was great. You know, I'm, I'm really glad I was able to play for Kansas City. Um, they're one of the, you know, the founding teams of the AFL, a great family, the Hunt family and stuff like that. Played with some great guys there. Um, but um, really, it's uh, it's a one-of-a-kind one of thing. And when you're going through it, too, you don't fully appreciate, like, how rare it is to be – to be a first round draft pick, you know, there's mm. every year there's probably a hundred, 150 guys who think they're going to go in the, like the first round and it never, it, it doesn't happen because you can only have 31 guys go. So, or excuse me, 32 guys go. So, um, you know, it was, um, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. It's got to be a part of it. Well, Tay, man, we appreciate you joining us. Obviously we don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, I want to leave J Mac with this because obviously, uh, knowing John Tate for the years I knew him, uh, never self promoted. I uh, always wondered why he's not mentioned more for how good he was at playing football. Uh, uh, probably the best left tackle I played with. Uh, his coach at BYU, Lavelle Edwards, said about him people respect John, he's unique. He's first class in so many areas, and his character has always been obvious. He's a fierce competitor, not a holler guy, but someone who get after people when he has to. He's a strong guy. John, man, when, when I read that, I said that is exactly what John Tate was when I played with him, man. I just wanted to thank you for joining us, uh, and thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. Hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate it all. And J-Mac, I appreciate you as well, too. Thanks, guys. You're doing a great job. No, thanks, Big Tate. Thanks for joining us, man. Good to hear your voice, man. And I wish you and the family uh, nothing but the best, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, Big Tate. The best way to celebrate winning plays and touchdown is with Tequila Embajador. That's my way of celebrating. If you want to make the right play call, go online and order your bottle of Tequila Embajador at www.embajadortequila.com slash buy-online-html and enter the discount code no name pod and receive your 10% discount on each bottle purchase or 50% off with a purchase of two bottles. Tequila Embajador door where every sip is made to comfort the soul well that's gonna do it for today's show he's former nfl pro jason mckee i'm olin cruz 
Thank you to John Tate for joining us today and just sharing his story with us, sharing his knowledge on playing the tackle position in the NFL and also what he's been up to uh, since retiring from the NFL. As always, please share this podcast with all your friends, family, neighbors, and anyone else who you know that loves the game of football. Also, make sure you hit subscribe to this podcast and whatever platform you listen to us on, please give us a five-star rating. And if you want to write a comment, that would be awesome as well. You've been listening to the No Name Football Podcast. And remember, Mahalo.